It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good afternoon, and thanks for checking in. The first major snowstorm of the season is now winding down after dumping feet of snow on the lake belts in western and central New York and northwestern Pennsylvania. This eerie area man says he wasn't expecting so much so soon. The other snowfalls that we had years past, last couple of years, made us into wimps. We're not used to this. The morning commute was, in a word, treacherous in places like Amherst and Clarence in western New York. Here's Buffalo Public Works Commissioner Nathan Marden. This is the change in the season when a dry road is going to be a wet road and a wet road is probably going to be a slick road. So extra time, extra space, slow down, give room to other motorists. Freeze warnings extended as far south as northern Florida this morning. A slight warm-up on the way for the weekend when the white turns wet. Kevin Williams has those details in his forecast on the way. A U.S. military Osprey aircraft crashed today into the sea off the coast of Japan. Correspondent Kelly O'Donnell. A deadly crash and another incident involving a U.S. military Osprey. The aircraft that can take off and land like a helicopter plunging into the sea in Japan with six crew members on board. The Osprey was spewing fire as it went down some 600 miles south of Tokyo. That particular aircraft's been involved in a string of fatal crashes in recent years. Secretary of State Tony Blinken in the Middle East trying to extend the hostages for prisoners swap between Israel and the terror group Hamas. Here's correspondent Richard Engel in Jerusalem. Today is the last day of a six-day truce. Israel has promised to resume bombing Gaza to destroy and overthrow Hamas. The U.S. is working to extend the ceasefire and free more Americans. And hostage families are making an 11th hour appeal for their loved ones to be included on precious freedom lists. This conflict began October 7th when Hamas snuck into Israel and slaughtered 1,200 civilians and took hundreds of hostages. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is at the southern border today as the flood of migrants arriving daily from Mexico continues. Correspondent Griff Jenkins. Secretary Mayorkas' visit couldn't come in more critical time because the holiday week did nothing to slow the surge. This South Texas sheriff says the migrants are coming because President Biden has opened the door. The border is open. They talk about President Biden's invitation and that they're going to be helped. That's one of the main answers that they give and I asked them, why now? Why didn't you come before? Have you heard of President Trump? It's like, oh yeah, we've heard of him and um, he he was very strict. We weren't going to risk coming under him to get deported. In just the past 24 hours, there have been over 9,300 migrants migrant encounters at the place where the U.S. meets Mexico. Congress could vote today to expel embattled New York Congressman George Santos. Last night, he spoke on the floor of the U.S. House. I ask that all my colleagues in the House consider and understand what this means for the future. And to set the record straight and put this in the record, I will not be resigning. Just five times before in our nation's history as Congress voted to kick out one of its own, most of those expulsions happened during the Civil War. The last time it happened was in 2002. China is bringing back masks and social distancing as it battles a mysterious pneumonia outbreak 
four years after COVID. Alarming footage of overcrowded emergency rooms has emerged from the communist nation. They're calling it white lung syndrome in China, and children seem to be most affected. Pope Francis is suffering from the flu and had to cancel a planned trip to a climate conference in Dubai because of it. The Vatican says the 86-year-old has a mild lung infection. He turns 87 on December 17th. Rosalind Carter will be buried today in the town where she was born, Plains, Georgia. Reporter Mark Strassman has more on yesterday's memorial service that honored the 96-year-old former first lady. Star power in the sanctuary. America's most exclusive sisterhood. All five living first ladies. Secretary Clinton and Dr. Biden, we also welcome your lovely husbands. Their husbands making a trio of presidents in the room. The Carter's daughter, Amy, read a letter that the ex-president Jimmy wrote to Rosalind when he was in the Navy. When I see you, I fall in love with you all over again. Does that seem strange to you? It doesn't to me. The two were married for 77 years, longer than any president and first lady in U.S. history. The Rockefeller Center Christmas tree gets lit up tonight in Midtown Manhattan. This year's tree is 80 feet tall, 43 feet wide, and weighs a whopping 12 tons. The Norway spruce will be adorned with 50,000 multicolored LED lights and topped by a 9-foot star with 3 million crystals. Oh, and by the way, the Christmas tree was cut down in nearby Vestal, New York. Still to come on the Noon Report, tweaking tap, snitching on pro-lifers, and where in the world is Matthew Grant. Good afternoon, I'm Kevin Williams. The last of the lake effect snow bands are weakening now and some more moderate temperatures are ahead. I'll have forecast details coming up in 10. All right, Kevin, we will see you then. Let's check the stories making news where you live next. All across New York and Pennsylvania, a 12-year-old boy continues to fight for his life after being hit by a car this week in a 10-car pileup on Route 20A in the town of Wales, not far from Buffalo. The cars crashed due to whiteout conditions and heavy snow. This woman describes what it's like driving in that. Oh, it was a little crazy. A foot of snow in the road for about eight miles and slick when it was plowed. Many got out of their cars and left the roadway after oncoming traffic started hitting the vehicles that were already involved in the chain reaction crash. The 12-year-old who was hurt in critical condition at Oshai Children's Hospital in Buffalo. These Buffalonians offer this bit of advice when it comes to winter driving. You just gotta go slow, take it easy. You just gotta do the best you can. When you drive you have to be really careful and take your time and don't speed up and just watch everyone and watch your surroundings lake snow warnings expired this morning a gradual warm-up is on the way for the weekend the shapiro administration is going after pro-life pregnancy centers in pennsylvania using taxpayer dollars the government
governor has set up an online complaint form targeting these particular organizations. Attorney General Michelle Henry announcing the snitch line to report so-called misleading and deceptive conduct by pro-lifers. The Pennsylvania Family Institute says Governor Shapiro's ultimate goal here is to permanently shut down the life-affirming work of pregnancy help centers. The search continues for missing RIT student Matthew Grant. The 22-year-old Michigan native disappeared on November 20th from the campus in Rochester. Family friend Brendan Hurley. And we just really need assistance to see any information where Matthew might be and, you know, help his family get some, you know, get some peace this holiday season. Grant's 2014 charcoal gray Jeep Grand Cherokee was spotted the week of Thanksgiving on the New York State Thruway near Syracuse. Police believe he may be in the Adirondack Mountains based on his phone search history. Pennsylvania's highest court is deciding whether the state legislature can proceed with an impeachment trial against Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner. Republicans accuse the progressive prosecutor of dereliction of duty because of Philly's out-of-control crime crisis. The twice-elected Krasner is under fire for enacting controversial bail reforms that many say have made the streets of Philadelphia anything but safe. New York lawmakers are looking at ways to make the state's tuition assistance program, or TAP, work better for more college-bound students. We are losing ground, particularly for lower income as well as middle-income families who are all struggling to keep college affordable. That's Pat Fahey, who chairs the Assembly Higher Education Committee. She wants to increase the TAP grant income threshold to $110,000 a year. Right now, it's closer to $80,000 a year. This year, TAP delivered $662 million in college aid to more than 230,000 students across New York. Suspended Dubois, Pennsylvania City Manager Herm Suplesio will have his criminal case heard in federal court. Suplesio was indicted earlier this month on charges he conspired to steal hundreds of thousands of dollars in city funds. He faces up to 45 years in prison if convicted. The New York Department of Motor Vehicles could suspend the licenses of more than 50,000 drivers this week. Family Life's Jeremy Miller tells us why. A guideline from the COVID-19 pandemic allowed some drivers to put off their vision test or self-certify their vision to renew their licenses. Now, it only included drivers whose licenses expired between March 1st of 2020 and August 31st of 2021 and was used to cut down on crowds at DMV offices. Drivers who self-certified and have not provided proof that their vision meets DMV requirements will have their licenses suspended on Friday. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. All right, Jeremy, thank you very much. Police in Dryden, New York, are still looking for a trio of bulls that escaped from an auction across the street from the elementary school. As a precaution yesterday, the district kept students inside for the day. The animals have been able to evade capture for several days, and one of the young bulls, we're told, is, quote, wild and will charge if it feels threatened there in Dryden, New York. And the 
NYPD preparing for protests at tonight's lighting of the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. Here's correspondent Scott Pringle. Pro-Palestinian organizers are calling their followers on social media to, quote, flood the tree lighting for Gaza. There are reports the NYPD sent an internal memo that calls for elevated vigilance during the tree lighting as it prepares for potential protests. Reports say police have been told to push the protesters to the outside of the celebration. Last week, pro-Palestinian protesters briefly disrupted the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Scott Pringle, New York. All right, Scott, thank you very much. Let's pause next. Check out your daily dose of sports right here on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon. I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, we begin in the NBA and the New York Knicks. They got 25 points and 20 rebounds from Julius Randle, and they knocked off the Hornets 115 to 91 at the Garden. With the win, the Knicks advance to the knockout rounds in the in-season tournament. The Nets won their game over Toronto 115 to 103, but were still eliminated from the tournament. Brooklyn came up just short, needing to win by at least 15 points. Spencer Dinwiddie led the Nets with 23. Elsewhere, the Celtics took care of business with the Bulls, 124-97. The Cavs down the Hawks, 128-105. The Heat fell to the Bucks, 131-124. Minnesota beat Oklahoma City by three, 106-103. The Mavs topped Houston, 124-115. And Sacramento eked out a 124-123 win over Golden State. On the ice in Philly, the Flyers dropped their third game in their last four, losing to Carolina 4-1. The Penguins fell in overtime to Nashville 3-2, Evgeny Malkin and Brian Roos scoring for the Pens. And the Islanders blew a two-goal third-period lead and lost to the Devils 5-4. For New Jersey, Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer both lit the lamp to tie the game, and then Curtis Lazar netted the game winner with just 23 seconds left in the contest. In a shootout, Toronto beat Florida 2-1. The Wild 3-1 winners over the Blues. Dallas shut out the Jets 2-zip. The Blackhawks edged the Kraken 4-3. Edmonton a 5-4 winner over Vegas. And the Coyotes and Canucks were both 3-1 winners in their contest. Arizona over Tampa Bay and Vancouver over Anaheim. That is a look at sports. All right, Randy, man, good to have you back in the saddle and still to come on the Noon Report for Wednesday. Final day of the truce. Lake flakes are finally done, and Canada condemns Christmas. We'll explain after this. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. A few years ago, when professional athletes were criticized for kneeling during the national anthem, it wasn't always because critics disagreed with their cause, or because of the irony of multimillionaires denouncing the nation to which they owed their success. Many fans just didn't want to see football turned into yet another space for political activism, even when a cause is just. Healthy societies have spaces in which differences can be put aside, where people can pursue a common experience, whether something as trivial as a televised sporting event or something as significant as forming the next generation of civic leaders. High school debate has long served that second role. The National Speech and Debate Association is the largest league of its kind in the nation and for nearly 100 years now has trained students to reason and speak effectively about issues significant to people in society. According to its Wikipedia page, the NSDA serves more than 140,000 students and coaches every year. 
With that sort of size, it would be reasonable to think that the debaters who have risen to the top of the league have become masters of reason and argument, able to speak persuasively on a wide range of topics. However, that seems to not be the case. In a clip that recently went viral, the final round of the NSDA's 2021 Tournament of Champions featured two young women of Team A, one who identified as transgender, who apparently decided that they would win their round by outwoking their opponents. They began the round by refusing to debate the resolution at hand, which was about the costs and the benefits of the International Monetary Fund. Instead, they hijacked the forum to protest the plight of transgender debaters, made the round a debate about debate itself, and promised to, quote, occupy the debate space until trans debaters can participate safely, end quote. Now, in a saner time and in a saner league, such behavior would have resulted in a loss. But that did not happen at this prestigious tournament. Instead, the young men of Team A immediately conceded the round and joined a 45-minute discussion on how debaters who misgender their opponents should automatically lose. One even offered, quote, It's important to recognize that debate is not about winning an argument. It's about making sure everyone feels okay and making sure everyone feels safe. The judges then praised Team A for their courage and crowned them the National Public Forum Debate Champions. Now, it'd be easy to criticize the students here for making a joke out of a competition that generations of their peers had worked so hard to win. But that would be to miss the point. You see, these debaters didn't invent these tactics or the ideology upon which it's based. No, they were taught to turn every forum into an opportunity for activism by their elders. They were taught to dismiss and denounce anyone who questions their claims. And they were taught that playing the victim will be rewarded, all of which reveals why such an all-consuming ideology like transgenderism is so dangerous, no matter what you think of the merits behind it. The notion that no one should be able to do, to pursue, to appreciate, to argue, or to think about anything else but your cause is a form of intellectual tyranny that, if tolerated widely, will quickly erode the foundations of any free society. If everything has to be sacrificed to your ideology, then it's much more than just a cause that demands justice. It's now an idol that demands worship. Good philosophy, C.S. Lewis once wrote, has to exist, if for no other reason than because bad philosophy needs to be answered. Such bad philosophy, he warned, doesn't always take the form of cool intellect, arguing wrongly. It often manifests as, quote, muddy heathen mysticism, which deny intellect altogether. And I can think of few better descriptions for a debate tournament that was won not by out-arguing your opponent, but by out-woking them. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. All right, John, thank you for that. Let's take it outside next, Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast. Our call for this afternoon, still some flurries around. Otherwise, brisk and cold again with clouds and sunny intervals. High temperatures, mostly the lower 30s. Divide. A few lake flakes will still be around across parts of western New York, where there will be a lot of clouds. There will be some moonlight in other parts of the area. Low temperatures tonight, 20s to near 30. Tomorrow, partly sunny, not as cold. High temps, 40s. Friday is cloudy with a rain and high temperatures in the upper 30s and 40s. All right, Kevin, thank you. This is the Noon Report for Wednesday, November 29th. I'm your host, Bob Price, and here's what's happening. After three days of lake effect snow, the belts are finally getting a break today. This man in Edinburgh, PA, spent all day yesterday shoveling his driveway. The snowblower would have been nice. Uh, I have one, but with this kind of snow, it doesn't pick it up. It just jams up in it, so... 
We're out here shoveling, getting our exercise. The lake snow warnings expired early this morning after causing dozens of accidents, including a 10-car pileup in western New York that critically injured a 12-year-old boy. Police say the multi-day storm event should help folks brush up on their winter driving skills. You make sure that your vehicles are prepared for winter driving, that your tires have good tire depths, and uh, that your windshield wipers are in functioning order, and that you have a lot of patience when you're traveling. Just drive slow. Some people, they don't think about slowing down because they've been driving all summer, all fall without snow. Snow wasn't the only issue from this storm. Freezing temperatures extended as far south as Florida this morning. The winds were whipping too, even knocking over the White House Christmas tree last night. There's been a deadly U.S. military crash overseas. An Osprey aircraft went down today near an island off the coast of southern Japan. Six were on board. Elizabeth Palmer is in Tokyo. The U.S. military is still trying to piece together what happened. It was about halfway through what would have been an 800-mile flight between a marine base near Hiroshima and the island of Okinawa way down south. The Osprey has a troubling track record in the 20 years that it's been in existence. Eyewitnesses reported seeing flames shooting out of the left engine as that aircraft crashed into the sea. A truce between Israel and Hamas expires soon. Talks are underway to try and extend the pause in fighting with the hopes of winning the release of more hostages. So far, 85 of the roughly 240 people taken by Hamas have been let go. This woman's niece and nephew were part of the last batch of hostages freed in Gaza. It's amazing that they're home. It's everything we have prayed and fought for. And at the same time, you can't begin to heal until the family is whole until every single hostage is home because they're all part of one big family and we need every single one of them home. Some of the children let go by Hamas say the terror group pointed loaded weapons at them to keep them quiet while in captivity. We're beginning to hear, you know, reports from the children coming out, how hard it was for them and how horrific. They didn't have much food. They weren't able to go to the bathroom when they needed. And we're hearing that children in general are coming out and speaking in whispers because they were told they can't make noise and so they're afraid to to use their own voice. The children were given a half slice of bread a day while in the clutches of Hamas. Some of the families of the hostages will be meeting this afternoon on Capitol Hill with members of Congress. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is at the southern border today. During the month of October, there were over 58,000 migrant encounters there, a 140% increase from last year. Stephen Miller was a speaker writer for former President Donald Trump. In L.A. and New York now, half of public school students come from immigrant households. In Nashville, Tennessee, 100 languages are now spoken in public schools. 30% of students need help speaking English at all. Our system cannot absorb migrants in these numbers. It will crash every aspect of American society. Just the past week, 15,000 illegal immigrants, 117 pounds of fentanyl were seized at the southern border. Hunter Biden says he's willing to testify before Congress next month about overseas business deals, but only if it's public. Leading that probe on Capitol Hill is House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer. According to Hunter Biden's attorney, he wants to come forward, and I think that's great. But this isn't about Hunter Biden. This is an investigation by Congress of Joe Biden for potential corruption. Hunter Biden is a key witness in our investigation of Joe Biden. We know the Biden family has received millions and millions of dollars from our enemies around the world. We don't know what they did to receive the 
money. So far, Comer's committee has not yet been able to uncover any hard evidence of wrongdoing on the part of the president. Congress could vote today to kick out New York Republican George Santos on ethics charges. Reporter Nicole Killian spoke with the embattled lawmaker this morning. Do you think the writing is on the wall? Could be, yeah. If you're expelled, are you going to leave right away? I have to. If expelled, Santos will become just the sixth member of Congress to suffer such a fate. Most of the others happened during the Civil War. In Plains, Georgia today, former First Lady Rosalind Carter will be laid to rest following a private funeral service. Mark Strassman is more on the remarkable 96-year-old who was Plains-born and Plains-spoken. Jason Carter, one of her 11 grandchildren. She'd never talked to a group of people bigger than her Sunday school class. And then she elected a governor and a president. Their daughter, Amy Carter. My mom spent most of her life in love with my dad. The Carters were married for 77 years, longer than any first couple in U.S. history. A five-year-old Kansas City Chiefs fan is being criticized by a liberal media publication for dressing up in Native American garb at Sunday's game at Arrowhead Stadium. Should what a five-year-old wears be a national story worthy of condemnation on a sports website or any other website uh, for that matter? I think the answer is no. Outkick founder Clay Travis. I think this kid and his parents should sue Deadspin's website for defamation, the writer as well. It's clear they ran with something that wasn't remotely true. This is a, a lawsuit that this kid and his family would win, and uh, I think he could bankrupt uh, Deadspin. The website accused the five-year-old of wearing blackface, despite the other half of his face being painted red. The boy, by the way, is Native American. The Canadian government has just condemned Christmas. The country's Human Rights Commission says letting everybody take the holiday off is an example of, quote, present-day systemic religious discrimination. The HRC says because the government recognizes a Christian holiday, it is discriminating against everybody else. A report from the commission adds that, quote, religious intolerance is deeply rooted in our identity as a settler colonial state does not appear, however, that Canada will be canceling Christmas this year. All right, good to know. That's Michael Harrington reporting. And Red Lobster is blaming its third quarter losses on its ultimate endless shrimp deal, which ran throughout the summer at all Red Lobster restaurants. Everything we do is for the seafood lover in you. Red Lobster for the seafood lover in you. For just 20 bucks, customers could eat as much shrimp as they wanted. The seafood giant lost anywhere from 2 to $5 every time that happened. You're listening to The Noon Report, a Wednesday edition on Family Life. How do you respond when people say they find Christians offensive? It's a tough place to be, and that's why we're going to talk about it today here on Family Life's Inside Out, where we look at how God transforms his people from the inside out. I'm Martha Manikas Foster, and my guest today is Caitlin Miller Feblis, author of an article on this topic for the Gospel Coalition. Caitlin, it's one thing to repent of our own actions if we've been unkind or offensive. You know, it's harder, I think it is harder anyway, when people tell you that they find Christians offensive or prejudiced. How do you suggest we begin to respond when we hear this? Yeah, you know, I think we've all faced this, whether in our neighborhoods or in a work setting. And I think a lot of times we're prone to respond with a posture of defensiveness or at least deference. We weren't the ones who committed this or that fault. I think when we first respond with 
just defensiveness, we can come across as callous Mm -hmm. towards what this person's experienced by someone, maybe even in the name of Christ. Mm -hmm. And if they don't feel heard and understood, I think they're far less likely to hear us or even want to understand us back. Mm -hmm. But humility has a way of disarming people. When we really listen with that humility and we get to better know their story, their background, their questions, even their hang-ups with faith, mm-hmm. I think that can make us more effective in future conversations because it gives us more to draw from, sort of launching points for, for questions and issues in the future. We can denounce the ways that those interactions don't reflect Christ. I think that's the next step is to be really honest with that because mm-hmm. if we don't, We risk leaving them with all the assumptions that they started with, that these words, these perspectives that they've heard from hateful Christians in the past represent Christ, when they may actually only be a marred distortion of Him. It's good to listen and show compassion for the ways people have been hurt. But how do we also talk about what we do believe as followers of Jesus? I think it's probably a lot more easy and comfortable to just stop where you mentioned, just Mm -hmm. listening and denouncing the unchristlikeness. And then I think the real courage comes in in the next steps, which can still be done with that patience and soft tongue and gentleness and humility that we talked about earlier. Just even as we denounce unchristlikeness, we don't denounce Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, Christians may act shamefully. We need to acknowledge that, but we're not ashamed of Christ. We're not ashamed of the gospel, like Romans 1 tells us. So I think practically moving forward from that, you know, once we've listened with humility, we've denounced unchristlikeness. We've affirmed Christ by pointing to why we still cling to and believe in Him despite the wrongs we see Christians around us commit, despite the wrongs we as Christians ourselves commit, Mm -hmm. why we still turn to Him. You know, I think one of the next best things we can do is seeking common ground. So, Caitlin, what do you see as the power of living differently from the generalizations of those who criticize Christianity to, to have a life that does not embody those very characteristics that have hurt the person that we're talking to? It seems like one of, if not the most powerful apologetics that we present to unbelievers is the apologetic of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that we don't ever use our words because we need the word. Jesus Mm -hmm. is the word of God and he used words to be clear and to bring clarity. But if we live in a way that is compellingly countercultural, we can force unbelievers to start asking what's different about us Mm -hmm. when we are in the midst of waiting, but we seem to somehow have a supernatural patience when Mm -hmm. we are really frustrated by our enemies, but we seem to have a supernatural love for them. When we are surrounded by temptations or enticements to greed, but we somehow supernaturally seem to resist those. Even just the way that we show up in our offices, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our grocery stores, when we act in a countercultural way, honestly, when we act in a way that's opposite of our flesh and mm-hmm. opposite of the way that the world expects us to believe, we force people to start asking why and to start asking what's different about us. Lord willing, if they start seeing the fruit of the Spirit in us, that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, mm-hmm. those are radical virtues in this world. Right. And so for each hateful or selfish or greedy or manipulative Christian example that an unbeliever has experienced, we can be a counterexample as a Christian that they also now have to explain. 
both an apology for what they've experienced and an apologetic for the Christ that we hope they continue to seek and find. That is Christian author Caitlin Miller-Feblis on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast, a pattern that brought Lake Effect snow to the area recently, including heavy accumulations east of Lake Erie in Ontario, and snowflakes that made it all the way to the Atlantic coast from the Great Lakes is fading now. More moderate temperatures are ahead. The next weather maker when it arrives on Friday That's wet, not white. Our call for this afternoon, though, still some flurries around. Otherwise, brisk and cold again with clouds and sunny intervals. High temperatures, mostly the lower 30s. Tonight, a few lake flakes will still be around across parts of western New York. Where there'll be a lot of clouds, there'll be some moonlight in other parts of the area. Low temperatures tonight, 20s to near 30. Tomorrow, partly sunny, not as cold. High temps, 40s. Friday is cloudy with a rain and high temperatures in the upper 30s and 40s. Great work always, Kevin Williams. Thank you very much. Finally today, if you're hip to be square, today's your day. Many of us have done it at one point or another in our lives, when growing up, as part of gym class, or as a family tradition. And today, swing your partner in do do because it's National Square Dance Day. Though the origins of this holiday aren't clear, this dance style has roots in traditional English, Irish, and Scottish folk dance, traced back as early as the 17th century. Western American square dance is the most well-known style of square dance in the world, in which eight people are divided into four different sets of partners, with each pair arranged on the sides of a square facing the center. It is the official dance of 19 U.S. states and certainly worth celebrating. So today, grab a few friends and make it a well-rounded day and do a little square dancing. Brian Query, Family Life News. All right, do do Thank you, Brian. That's the world we live in Wednesday, November 29th. I'm Bob Price. Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.